The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Well, we're really coming down the chute now. This is our penultimate Friday weekend edition of Fantasy NBA Today of this regular season. Remember, we do go five days a week throughout the entire offseason as well. But it's hard not to think about the countdown these days. It's Friday, May the 7th. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. I'm your host, Dan Vespris. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Vespris. I know. Needlessly complicated. I should have just gone with, I don't know. Play-by-play guys always do play-by-play and then their first name and the Twitter handle, but I always found that to be a little bit goofy. I don't know what I should have gone. My middle name is Walter. Maybe I should have gone with at Dan Walter. But I didn't. That's somebody else. If it exists, I'm at Dan Baspers. Or you can Google search Dan from Hoopball and just find me that way. It is it is really, I think, psychologically incredibly difficult not to think about how close we are to the end of the year. And that also, I think, steers our brains toward a feeling of complacency, at least in the roto formats. It's very easy to just go, all right, well, we are where we are at this point. And then in head-to-head, it's quite the opposite. This is where everybody's going completely bananas. And so we'll do our best again to try to create a show today that addresses both sides of what everybody's trying to do here these last couple of days. Many of you, your head-to-head leagues end this weekend. Mine would have, had I made the finals. Knocked out in the semis. Confound it. Uh, Roto, of course, does go to the end of the regular season. So I'm I'm mostly going to be treating the show like that, although we'll also look at streaming schedule going into next week as well. So here's what we're going to do a little bit differently today. I am not going to do a Thursday recap. On today's show, there were only seven games yesterday, and there were a few interesting things that popped up. A couple guys came back, Zach Levine being a big one. Uh, a couple guys have shown their more viable fill-in options than previously. But the way we can cover all of that is what we did, what we've been doing really the last couple of Fridays, and that's just going through the teams from top to bottom, running today, basically through the end of the regular season now, since... A few weeks back, we did that for four weeks. We did a four-week look ahead. Here's where all the streaming options are. And then we went away from that for a couple of Fridays, mostly focusing on the weekend upcoming and early early games the following week. But because now we're so close to the end, 10 days, that's it, including today. It's 10 days to the end of the regular season. You have next week, you have today, tomorrow, and Sunday. Recording this, of course, on Friday. We can just do them all. So we'll start at the top and... I've done this idiotic crap before where I'll mention it is actually an alphabetical order of the city team abbreviation, not of the actual name of the team. And it does flip-flop a couple of things. Like Boston, Brooklyn actually gets flip-flopped because Brooklyn is abbreviated BKN. So that actually moves in front of Boston, even though the word Brooklyn, of course, is after Boston alphabetically. I think it happens with one other team later on. New York... Knicks coming after New Orleans Pelicans? No, that's not right. New Orleans is in front of New York. What's the other one that got flip-flopped here? I forget. Doesn't matter. We'll figure it out. We'll get there. Uh, uh no, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it is only one. Whatever. Not important. Not important. 
Uh, but I do know Brooklyn and Boston are, are flip-flops. So let's just start with Atlanta. We'll work our way through. And when we get to the end, we get to the end. Simple as that. Saddle up. Atlanta does not play today, tomorrow, or Sunday. They are an abysmal team to be using the rest of the way. They have just four games over the final 10 days. And really, their schedule next week, if you're looking at Hawks, they go Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, which is decent because next week you're you're sort of eliminating the long stream. So the Hawks actually do make sense as a head-to-head option for the first four days of next week. You cram three games into those first four days. Then you pick up someone else who maybe has a back-to-back Friday, Saturday, uh, and then another dude who might have a game on Sunday, although now looking over things again, there is no back-to-back. No teams go back-to-back Friday, uh, Saturday. Um... So at that point, you know, you're maxing out at five games out of that particular roster slot, unless you're using a move Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, but that is not advisable because now you've used up all your moves for the week. From a Roto standpoint, I like the way that Danilo Gallinari's been playing lately. Hawks are getting healthy, still missing a couple of guys that don't figure to have much of an impact here over the last 10 days. So Gallo, Bogdan, Trey, John Collins, Clint Capella, those guys are all in. If you wanted to stream Kevin Herter for the three games in four nights, that would actually be fine. I have no problem with that. Uh, let's go Boston. So we'll actually go in real alphabetical order here because it was bugging me that these things were lined up wrong. Boston's schedule actually isn't bad. They've got six games over these final 10 days. That's close to as good as it gets. You have, I think, one or two teams that has seven. Memphis, I know, still has quite a few games remaining. But six games, if you wanted to go long streamer style, would be totally fine. From a uh, head-to-head standpoint, Boston's a little bit of a pain in the butt because Jalen Brown could return at any moment. It sounds like Robert Williams, the Time Lord, might be out for a game or two here and there, uh, which means Tristan Thompson has a little bit of head-to-head streaming opportunity. Makes more sense from a Roto standpoint because you could get him in and out of your lineup quickly if you needed to. So that's rebound attacking if you find out the Time Lord is out. So on and so forth. Evan Fournier, I think, is probably the only question mark on the Boston side, at least from a both sides standpoint. If any of those other wings is out, meaning if Jalen Brand is out, if uh, Jason Tatum has to miss any time, even really if Marcus Smart, but less so because his usage isn't as high. If those main two guys have to miss another ballgame, and I think Jalen Brown's actually been ruled out for tonight already, then Fournier makes a lot of sense, more so from Roto, because when those guys are all healthy, meaning Brown and Tatum then Fournier goes back to being more of a fourth fiddle, and it's been, at times, tough for him to sustain value there. That said, six games over 10 days, not a bad thing if you wanted to just trot him out there and hope for the best. They've got some back-to-backs. It's possible that they sit a guy. I doubt it unless they're actually hurt because Boston's actually fighting to try to dodge the play-in. Brooklyn, what a mess. Brooklyn has really turned into a two-horse team right now. KD and Kyrie... The passing hasn't been very good. The shot making generally pretty good, but anytime one of the two superstars goes cold and the ball movement isn't there, then you know you see what happens lately to them. They've lost four games in a row at the wrong time of year. James Harden sounds like he thinks he's going to be back before the end of the regular season, but it's not really avoiding, affording him a ton of time to do so. They have five games the rest of the way, one tomorrow. They go Tuesday, Wednesday, and then the last two days of the regular season, Saturday, Sunday of next week in games that... I don't know. You know, it's not like they're going to fall into the play-in. I'm sure they'd prefer home court as long as possible, but by those two games at the end, they probably will have a pretty good idea where they're going to be in the standings. So what do we do with that? Well, you're not grabbing any big guys. 
Blake Griffin's been probably the closest if you wanted to have him for just the back-to-back. I don't think that I would venture much beyond that point. I mean, you could look at Brooklyn's results against Dallas on Thursday night. Griffin was pretty good. He played 27 minutes, had a double-double with three assists, a steal, and a couple three-pointers. You could make a case to use Blake in Roto, but head-to-head, Brooklyn's a tough sell right now other than those back-to-backs, which you kind of have to mash them together. All right, we can keep chugging along here. Uh, Charlotte Hornets, they're also a little bit of a weird test case. They do have six games left the rest of the way, so that's not bad. Uh, But bodies are missing... And that also means that bodies can return. Devontae Graham is still out. Cody Martin is still out. P.J. Washington came back in their last ballgame, so he's not really a question mark anymore. I do think you can use uh, Jalen McDaniels on this one. Let me make sure I'm getting my Jalen on this one. Right. <laughs> uh who didn't have a particularly good game against Chicago, but I reckon he'll probably bounce back. Not a terrible schedule. He's a guy I think I'd use in both formats, head-to-head or Roto. But uh, with two games left this week, and then rolling into a kind of a slow start next week, Charlotte would actually be a team on the head-to-head side you might want to target from Thursday through Sunday of next week. On the Roto side, they're a little bit easier, provided no one else like a Gordon Hayward reemerges here. Uh, You've got Rozier, you've got P.J. Washington, you've got uh, McDaniels, and then if Graham comes back, you can use him, LaMelo Ball, that's uh, relatively straightforward stuff. Chicago, pretty good schedule uh, towards the end of this week, although we missed the front end of it yesterday in, in their win in Charlotte. They've got six games the rest of the way, actually the same exact schedule as the Hornets, at least in terms of how many games and what days they play. Zach Levine's return kind of shaking things up a little bit for the Bulls last night, just in terms of who's going to get to play and who's going to get to do what. Vooch, not a problem there. Thad Young, 20 minutes, continues to do enough in 20 minutes to actually hit value. Daniel Tice had a pretty good ball game in 26 minutes of a blowout. Would that have been higher if it wasn't a blowout? I don't know. Kobe White kept his starting spot, but I, I will admit I am nervous. He had enough usage while Levine and Vooch, certainly, but even while just Levine was out, to hit marks in nine-category leagues. His stat set doesn't translate very well when he's now sort of third, not going to be racking up all the assists, and he still did pretty well yesterday because Levine is getting his legs underneath him. But be warned, you can keep rolling with Kobe White because head-to-head he's playing tonight, he's playing again on Sunday. I would be thinking, and certainly on the Roto side, I would probably be thinking about moving on from him, looking for someone else who just has sort of a better fantasy makeup. Points leagues, this is not really a, a, a question mark. And then what do you do with guys that popped up yesterday that hadn't been very good before that, like a Lowry Markkinen, you leave him be. Garrett Temple, you leave him be and shuffle along from there. Cleveland, they go uh, today and Sunday, and then they actually start next week. Sunday, Monday is a back-to-back. Cavaliers, it, it's going to come down to who's healthy again in that backcourt in particular. We don't have a return date for Darius Garland, so just keep using Chetty Osman until he's pushed back to the third option from the, the Garland, Sexton, Osman trio. Osman wasn't even really in that discussion, but when one of them went down, he popped up. And that's pretty easy. You're not going anywhere beyond that because their schedule is fine, but not great, much like these other six gamers the rest of the way. So you're looking more for opportunity than anything else, and you don't have to long stream. Dallas, also six games the rest of the way. Actually, had seven if you had been able to squeeze one in yesterday against Brooklyn. 
Mavs have, have moved some bodies around here with no Kristaps Porzingis, no Maxi Kleba. Those guys still out. Dwight Powell's been a really nice roto stream and head-to-head, frankly, because they've had a very busy schedule. You just don't know when someone might come back and slice half or two-thirds of his playing time away. In the meantime, Roto in particular, get him fired up. He's been useful. Tim Hardaway Jr., same story. Get him fired up. He's in the starting lineup right now, and that's, by the way, maybe even a little bit safer in that Jalen Brunson played, Josh Richardson played. There wasn't a ton that you're, you, there isn't much we're waiting on to push Hardaway out of the starting lineup. Like, they, it seems like they're happy with him there. He's hot, so they'll keep rolling him out there. So he's actually a better option in head-to-head because I don't know that anything's necessarily coming for his minutes or his starting gig. The Denver Nuggets. Still waiting to figure out what the hell they're going to do with no P.J. Dozier. They started Paul Millsap in their last ball game, and maybe that's something that continues. Tonight will be a pretty good... Uh, guess on that you know you've got Compazzo as sort of your initial stream I would use him in head-to-head or Roto he's been very good uh good enough to be used there in anything they have six games the rest of the way as well including a back-to-back today and tomorrow I would not use a Millsap or a Jamichael Green or any one of those other fringe guys without knowing more or without knowing that you're targeting a few specific things but for Millsap he's not really that great in any one thing anyway Detroit they are now into sort of a slower part of their schedule. Admittedly, they do have a back-to-back tomorrow and Sunday, but then just three games the final week. One of the few teams that only goes three times that last week. So the Pistons get what you can out of them Saturday, Sunday, and then shuffle along. Because there are moves you can make even on Monday of next week. You can make one move and gain two games by switching over to the Pacers, the Grizz, teams that have five games the last week of the year. Or just switch off the Pistons with an effort to go... You know, use a couple of moves on that roster slot. This may apply to Roto as well, unless you're over your game's cap. If you have any ground to cover, having someone that plays three games that last week is very dangerous, especially when you don't know if they're going to be any good. You could try to guess who might play on any given night. Like, we saw Corey Joseph play yesterday, and he was really good. But was it because Killian Hayes was out with an illness? I'm inclined to think maybe, so I'm not making a move there. The Warriors sound like they're going to guarantee Juan Toscano-Anderson's contract, but I don't know that it matters. They only have five games the rest of the way, so you're not worried too much about the head-to-head side of things. Kent Bazemore has been a decent enough roto stream, and you can probably just keep him floating through. If you're doing something on the head-to-head side, you could pick him up. They've got a rematch with Oklahoma City tomorrow, and then a back-to-back Monday and Tuesday. Uh, and that extends things as far as Bays, as, as far as Toscano-Anderson and, and so forth, just because... You'd be getting three games in four nights, and then you'd be moving on on Wednesday of next week. The Rockets, who we've talked about a lot in this podcast lately, they have six games left, and they are cut down to their prime. Cut down to their prime. What do you do? Well, Jayshon Tate suddenly got upgraded to questionable, so it's possible that he doesn't actually, I would say it's almost definite he doesn't actually have COVID. So what this probably means is that he's vaccinated, had an exposure, and now they're waiting to see to make sure that there's no breakthrough. Or the other possibility is that he had an exposure to someone that was maybe. And so now they're waiting on to find out if that other person actually had COVID. 
Like, maybe there was a maybe. If you get upgraded to questionable that quickly, it means that you're probably going to play unless something comes in that you're not sure of. Because he got listed now with a sore knee, which is not at all what we thought we were dealing with earlier. All right, so let's say Jay Shante does come back. He'll get to do more than he could ever dream of because Kevin Porter Jr.'s out. Christian Wood is doubtful. Uh, all those other veterans have no intention of coming back, except maybe Avery Bradley, who's been playing somehow. So you'll probably get a ton from Jay Shante. And I think KJ Martin's still a really good stream in head-to-head or Roto, just because of how many guys are out. It wouldn't be quite as good as if Tate missed that ball game, but I think you could still use it. And it's a little bit blowout-proof, because they only have like four guys that aren't on the injury report. So if they even if they can get one of those questionable guys to play, they might have to play five guys for 48 minutes, which is a terrible idea, by the way. They may just want to forfeit one of these two games on the back-to-back, but I don't think they will. I think they'll find a way to get six or seven guys suited up, and uh, you take it from there. You can start any of those guys, exhausted though they may be. There's just no other option for fantasy stuff. So Houston's a pretty interesting one. Indiana's also interesting because they've got a five-game week the last week, but they do only have six games left because they're only playing tomorrow to finish off this week. So Indy's a tough nut because you'd love to try to get a jump on things in head-to-head and grab a pacer, but that's pretty tough to do if you're locked in any kind of tight battle here in a head-to-head. Let's say your head-to-head is still going on. Let's say your head-to-head doesn't even go until next week, then that's not an option. And then on the Roto side, who cares if they have five games next week? O'Shea Brissett's been trending down with Goga Batadze back, so those guys have basically canceled each other out. If Brogdon comes back, that puts one more guy on the radar but doesn't really take anyone off of it. So Indies become much more of a roto-friendly team just in time for their schedule to get really good for head-to-head. I think your head-to-head streaming options for next week probably limited to, like, Doug McDermott? Because the roto guys have been the same pretty much for weeks now. Sabonis, McConnell, Lavert, Brogdon when he's healthy. That's about it. And then Brissett when everybody was out, but he's not anymore. By the way, in a five-game week, you can probably still use O'Shea Brissett. Even if he's only playing 24 minutes a game, that's still 120 minutes for a week. That's pretty good. That's like four starter-level games. Clippers, schedule finally gets better on Sunday. They've had one of the worst playoff schedules for about three weeks now, but starting on Sunday, they have five games over eight days. So... Roto-wise, it doesn't change much for L.A. They've got Kawhi back. You can look at their game against the Lakers yesterday. That was the blowout from very early on. Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Ivica Zubats, those guys are your obvious Roto-use dudes. Marcus Morris has been, uh, I'd say, ever so slightly above the cut line for Roto, but you also kind of need to be targeting threes, percentages, and like five rebounds a game, so not even really rebounds, but also not bad at rebounds. But those guys all slide into a, yeah, you could definitely use them for a long stretch if you want a game on Sunday, make a move to kind of get a jump on a four-game week the following week. And they're also pretty safe. You know, Marcus Morris is a safe guy to have for a four-game week. He's not going to be great. If Kawhi rests it all in there or PG rests it all in there, he becomes very good. Uh, and then Reggie Jackson and Rajon Rondo are the other guys you could maybe make a case for if their schedule was a little bit better. Um, but it's not really, so yeah, I'll probably skip on that. Lakers are pretty weird. They actually had a pretty damn good schedule starting yesterday, except for the blowout. Now they've got six games the rest of the way, including a pair of back-to-backs that final week. In the meantime, the Lakers are a figure-it-out kind of club. Alex Caruso figures to have a really nice role as long as LeBron James is out. Same story for Kyle Kuzma, who stepped up again when Anthony Davis went down. 
I don't. I think I'm out on Andre Drummond, especially with Marcus Soul sort of inching towards playing a little bit again. AD's supposed to play tonight, by the way. He's considered probable. It sounds like he just knew the Lakers were going to get waxed and decided, screw it, I'll save up and play this Portland game. Uh, I think Caruso, I feel so much comfortable with him in a roto format because then you could just get away from it when LeBron comes back. He'll still be okay with Braun in there, but he's not going to be getting assists the way he is when LeBron is out. So Caruso, Roto, maybe head-to-head, if only because perhaps you could squeeze him through there back-to-back on Tuesday, Wednesday, but it's a dicey play. Memphis, believe it or not, now actually has a relatively normal schedule if you look at all 10 remaining games. If you don't, and just look at next week, then they've got 5-7, and seven, including 4-5. and five. And I don't think they're going to rest guys in there, which may be to their detriment, but they're desperately trying to make sure that they stay in the upper half of the play-in tournament or, I mean, I think it'd be pretty surprising, but maybe get themselves out of it. They lost in Detroit. That's going to hurt. They've got Toronto Saturday and then the five games next week. Memphis is annoying, but we do have to talk about what five games in seven days would mean. First of all, it allows you to use more streaming options in other roster slots. You're good on Brandon Clark to stream. Uh, Desmond Bain is a streamer. Melton, of course, he's had his weird minute stuff, but he's a streamer. Dylan Brooks, slow-mo, Ja, JV is really... JV's kind of the only guy on that team that's actually a roto-friendly player this year. Uh, slow-mo was for most of the season, but JJJ is kind of punching him in the mouth. And then Melton, I don't know. I mean, you have to use him in a five-game week because because we know what he can do. JJJ's probably only playing three of their remaining... Sorry, four. Go four of their remaining six games, but it possibly sits out that last one against the Warriors if it doesn't matter. But I'll think I'll say probably four. And he's good to go for Roto in those four games. And actually probably good to go in head-to-head because he's been good enough when he's played. It's just, ah, man, that's a tough argument to make for a three-game week next week. Miami, six games left. They are uh, relatively... I mean, I think we're pretty locked in on the Miami handicap at this point. Trevor Reza is above the cut line in Roto. Uh, Kendrick Nunn's been above the cut line in Roto. Duncan Robinson has been sitting basically right on the streamer line in Roto. Sometimes a little bit above it, sometimes not quite. Not, And that sort of is what makes you streamer friendly. I think any and all of these guys is is worth using because six games the rest of the way. I, you know, their schedule just happens to be the best near the end of of the regular season where they go three games their final four days, and you don't know if Jimmy Butler sits out one of those, then guys like Nunn, Ariza, etc., those guys all get a pretty good bump. Milwaukee, they've got five games the final week, and I gotta think they're gonna rest somebody, but it's also possible they don't. There's more jockeying going on. I think the Bucks do want home court as much as possible. They have a chance to pass the Nets, I don't know if that matters much. That's the difference between the Celtics and probably the Heat in the first round. Bucks might prefer the Celtics, honestly. Heat are better at clogging the paint defensively, just better personnel to deal with Giannis, namely Bam Adebayo. Celtics don't have that guy. Giannis would run him right over. I don't. Well, you're not going to see much there. I mean, they'll they'll play hard, but I, I got to think the big guns take a night off for Milwaukee in their five-game week, which means... And the big guns, by the way, that includes guys like Dante DiVincenzo. Anybody that's played a lot of games and played in their starting lineup is is a risk to sit. I would think Bobby Portis 
actually shapes up as a really good stream in their five-game week. He'll get in there for something. Middleton will miss a game. Giannis will miss a game. Brooke Lopez will miss a game. They might even rotate through who misses it when, and that would mean that Portis would potentially start in all of those. They, they might just go big. Not that they aren't huge already. Problem, of course, with Milwaukee is that they play tonight, and then they're off Saturday, Sunday. So it's hard to get a jump on the Bucks. At least from a Roto standpoint, they're not that complicated. Minnesota, they're down to just three normal players. You're not making any adjustments. Their schedule is very average with the six games. It's D'Lo, it's Cat, it's uh, the Ant-Man. Pelicans, six games the rest of the way. I'm a little bit curious about uh, New Orleans because Steven Adams is playing hurt. It sounds like he's probably going to miss this one. Do they go back to Willie Hernan Gomez? Because they sure as heck played better with Jackson Hayes actually playing defense at their center spot. If Hayes is going to get the minutes, and unfortunately, we I, I don't know that we can know that until the last minute when they release their starting lineup for the game in Philadelphia tonight. And for Roto folks, that's probably too late to make your move. Many of you, like my own, have moves in Roto for the following day. Head-to-head, you're not making it because anytime Adams pops up, he just ruins the, the streaming op- opportunities for the rest of these guys. Uh, Brandon Ingram is probably going to miss some time. We don't know exactly how much. That also leans more towards the Roto side as he may also resurface in a couple of games. Can't be using head-to-head moves when a guy could just lose his playing time. It's just, it, it, it crushes you. Who do you pick up if Ingram's out? I don't know if you really pick up anybody. Honest to goodness. Najee Marshall probably does a little bit more, but the schedule's not good enough for it to warrant that. I guess you could pick up a Pelican today through Monday if you wanted to. Make a move to another team that's got four games Tuesday through the following Sunday. That is, if you're streaming for games the rest of the way. If you're just streaming for opportunity, uh, then Jackson Hayes is the only guy I'm, I'm sort of lasered in on at this point. Knicks, very average schedule. They've been the same handicap for about three weeks here. Um... Uh, Easier to use them now, now that their schedule's not as bad as it was the previous two weeks, but no changes there. Thunder, uh, they go back-to-back Saturday, Sunday, and then just three games next week. So if you were streaming any Thunder for head-to-head stuff, get out of it on Monday, because they just have not been good. They're not Roto-friendly, and then without the schedule, they won't be head-to-head friendly either. Orlando, six games starting today the rest of the way. They've been kind of interesting. Mo Bamba's been crushing with Wendell Carter Jr. out. He was sort of crushing even when Wendell Carter Jr. was in. RJ Hampton's been really good. He's probably worth using. I have to admit, I'm really nervous that the wheels are going to come off of whatever's happening there with RJ or Cole Anthony. will have a better ball game, and then they'll just sort of cannibalize each other. That's hard for me to make that play. Uh, Mo Wagner is the other, believe it or not, safe option in Orlando. I would use him in Roto as long as you possibly can. Just stick with it. Philly's got uh, six games the rest of the way, although they do have this back-to-back, so then there's a two-day break for the 76ers, so they're a pretty good stream for today and tomorrow. Not that anyone on that team is really stream-friendly. Phoenix, same general issue if Jay Crowder pops up. That kills whatever you thought might be happening at the power forward spot, but it was fairly unpredictable anyway. Portland, also six games the rest of the way, but kind of front-loaded, actually. They start a 5-7 and seven tonight against the Lakers. Big ball game. And then they're ripe for a whole bunch of letdown games just in time for them to get uh, the Spurs and the Rockets. And then they go back on the road for Utah and Phoenix. So everybody's going to be celebrating. This is what might happen. Portland's got this huge game with the Lakers tonight where they'll probably win it. Lakers are, uh, and Blazers are tied right now. Lakers, I think, technically ahead. No, they have the exact same record, 37 and 29. 
So Blazers probably win this one and push the Lakers into the, the seven spot, the top of the play-in tournament. And then everyone's going to be like, oh, Blazers are not going to go. And then you got to look at the things the rest of the way. The Lakers have the Suns, which is tough. Knicks will be competitive. Houston, Indy, and the Pelicans to finish things out. So the Lakers' schedule is tough for two games. Well, really three games if you count the Clippers. And then it gets a little lighter and then real light. Whereas for Portland, they're kind of on the other side of this thing. Their schedule has the Lakers' tough game, maybe, depending on who plays. Gets real light, Spurs and Rockets, and then gets real tough. So there's absolutely nothing set in stone, regardless of who wins this ballgame. And so you wonder, do the Blazers put everything on the line tonight to beat the Lakers and then come out tomorrow flat as hell against the Spurs? Or does that flat game come against Houston before they have the brutal back-to-back at the end of a 5-7? and seven? Regardless, Carmelo Anthony's been a really good stream for the Blazers, so you can use him over the next seven days and then get the hell out uh, next Friday. Roto-wise, no. On the Kings' side, it's just DeLon Wright now. I mean, just go for it. Hard DeLon Wright as long as you possibly can. I might just let him ride the rest of the way. Uh, I don't know if Tyrese Halliburton plays again this year for the Kings. Darren Fox, maybe. Harrison Barnes, maybe. You can probably stream Marvin Bagley as long as Barnes is out. But with him, there is a possibility that Barnes returns and you have to abandon ship. Kings have back-to-back games... Or they have the Spurs tonight, then they've got the Thunder for two in a row. Uh, they're not going to make the play-in. It's it's not really in question. The two and a half games back of the Spurs, although again, one of those games is with the Spurs, so they could get to in the game a half uh, of the play-in tournament. But believe it or not, they're still trying at 29-37. It's not mathematically done yet, but if they lose, it's a colossal game for Sacramento. If they lose to the Spurs, it's pretty much done. And then you might see changes as well. Uh, San Antonio has the busiest schedule the rest of the way. They are the the winners right now in terms of who do you want to stream. Of course, you might see guys getting rested, but the Spurs have seven games over the final 10 days of the NBA regular season, which for a team that is extraordinarily boring on the fantasy side, it does bring some other names into focus. Devin Vassell uh, played 31 minutes. He's moved into that starting shooting guard spot with no Derek White. Seven games in 10 days? Yeah, you use that. Lonnie Walker, 21 minutes, three-point specialist for the most part. Seven games in 10 days? Yeah, you use it. You do. Keldon Johnson, much as I dislike his fantasy game, seven games in 10 days, you use it. There's no question. It's the magic of that. Roto side, they're gross. Toronto's last stand, sadly was not a stand at all. Well, it was. I mean, they, they, they put up a good fight, but they lost in overtime. So the Raptors are probably cooked. I would expect them to start resting more people as opposed to staggered rest. They're now four games back of the Wizards. They only have five games left on the docket. It's over. They've got Memphis tomorrow. I would expect a lot of Raptors starters. I don't think OG Ananobi's playing the rest of the way. You'll probably see Siakam start to sit down, keep a very close watch on Toronto. Someone... Someone that we don't expect is going to surface for the Raptors with big-time fantasy value. Because, like, right now, Kem Birch is rolling along. Gary Trent Jr. just came back. He might play the rest of the way and be a monster in fantasy. Freddie Van Fleet, I bet he starts to rest again. I don't think I don't know if Lowry plays again the rest of the year. Does Siakam play after maybe one more game, get mathematically eliminated first? What happens? 
A lot of these guys are terrible from a fantasy standpoint. Stanley Johnson's horrible. Malachi Flynn would leap into a monster role. DeAndre Bembry probably ends up in a decent role, although his free throw shooting sucks. But just be aware, and I don't know that it's going to happen in the game on Saturday. It probably happens before their game against the Clippers on Tuesday, but you're just going to hear everybody out for Toronto once they are mathematically taken off the burner. And with that in mind, you know, you like as bad as Malachi Flynn has been the last couple of ballgames, you might see him get dropped in a few spots because a lot of guys, a lot of teams really, don't have the patience to put up with someone who's putting up goose eggs or clunkers, which he has for three games in a row. He does that again. You see him hit the waiver wire in a couple of spots. Scoop him up. If Gary Trent hit the waiver wire in some spots, scoop him up. These guys are all about to leapfrog into monster fantasy value regardless of format, really, because at some point they're just going to have so much usage it won't matter. Utah, super boring. They've got six games left, but nobody's really emerging there that matters. And then Washington now, their schedule just got a little bit uh, softer again. Five games left. They finished up a 5-7 and seven with their overtime win in Toronto. They've got Indiana tomorrow, which reeks of the letdown game. Wizards played so hard during their 5-7 and seven stretch. Uh, and have been so good during their recent run that there's always the moment where things slip a little bit. Now, to be fair, they did lose a tight one to Dallas. They lost a one-point game to the Mavs. They lost a one-point game to the Bucks. So there's this. There will be that fire, and they know they can't let up because they're like a game or two, really, a couple decent games away from wrapping up the uh, that last play-in spot. Um, and they're half game back of the Pacers, only game and a half back of the Hornets of getting into the, the top half of that play-in bracket, and their game is against the Pacers on Saturday. So that one, probably not the letdown. It's going to be in there somewhere, though. Be ready for it. From a fantasy standpoint, it's tough to trust many. I mean, head-to-head-wise, you're not doing anything because they only have five games left, so that's not good. And there are no back-to-backs. So there's no good place to stream. Russ and Beal, yeah, of course, no doubt. Um... And then I think you're just looking at specialists. You can pick up Bertans for one game in Roto if you need some threes. You can pick up Gafford if you want to try to catch some blocks, lightning in a bottle, and uh, and go from there. Whew. We did it faster this time. We did it faster. That was 30 teams in about 35 minutes today. Good for me. I feel better about that. Uh, one thing, a couple of strategic stuff that uh, I want to talk about here before we, we put a lid on the podcast. The... Um, Head-to-head, strategically, you, you're you pretty much not going to have a full roster the last couple days of the regular season. You never will. So it's probably more important to use your roster moves earlier in the final week, if your league does go through that final week. The reason, the reason that that's true is you're going to see healthy and injured guys resting all the same those last couple of days. You might have an overload, so you'll want to pay close attention to the news, uh, allowing you to get your guys in, try to flip guys in, flip guys out, someone not playing, someone is, that type of thing at the last minute. But it's almost impossible to guarantee that you get all of the games that you want on those last couple of days. So it's actually more important to load up on stream games earlier in that last week before the last two days, really, when everyone sits. Because every single team in the NBA plays on the final Sunday. It's a 15-game day. And you can bet your butt that, like, half of the guys on your fantasy roster are not going to play that day. 
So it's an overload. So you don't have to really worry about that day. It's your, that, that day just sort of is what it is. So you're really looking for the teams that play Monday through Saturday of next week. How many teams have four games Monday through Saturday? The answer is very few. It's basically the same answer to the question of how many teams have five games next week at all. So look for teams that have a front-loaded schedule finals week. Atlanta is a good team to pick up some guys on Monday. Indiana, of course, they have a five-game week, so that's cool. You get four games those first six days, and then you just, you know, you squat on those guys after that. Uh, Clippers are interesting because they go four, uh, three times Tuesday through Friday, so you could pair them up with someone who plays on Monday. Memphis, five-game week, and they're off Saturday. So you could actually have four games out of Memphis the first five days and then get off of that dude and get two more games. You could make one move next week and get a six-game week. Because there are a handful of teams that go back-to-back Saturday, Sunday. Even ones that don't have five-game weeks. Lakers, for instance, four-game week, but they play the last two days. So front-load your finals week because everyone's taking the last day off. And it gives you more opportunity. You make your moves. Hopefully you can pick up some guys this week that'll roll into a good schedule next week. uh, And then use a bunch of your moves on Thursday or Friday of next week, probably Friday, to max out Friday, Saturday... And if you don't have any moves left on Sunday, it doesn't matter. You should be done using your moves by Friday or Saturday because everyone plays on Sunday. That's something to think about. On the Roto side, scheduling-wise, look at the games cap. Look at the games cap. It's possible that you might be accidentally falling behind. You might not even realize it because guys are resting. So use up your games, use up your games cap. Look at the people in front of you. Look at the people behind you in the rankings, not in points, in the actual categories. Look at how far away you are. Not just from the team one in front of you, but from the team's two, three slots in front and behind you because there could be a big games gap that might actually be clouding the fact that you might actually be closer to the team two slots away from you. I actually had this happen to me in one league this year where there's a team in front of me, I think it's in rebounds, by like, 100, but we're only separated by seven or eight games. So I'm probably not catching them. But there's another team in front of me by like 220 in rebounds, but we're separated by 30 or 40 games. So I might catch them. So you might actually be attacking a category. You might end up attacking a category you didn't think you had a chance to because you're like, oh, well, I'm never going to catch the person right in front of me. So look at the people in front of you and behind you and look at the game's gap And I'm telling you, take the 10 minutes to look at every counting stat. I mean, the the percentages ones are easy to look at. Look at every counting stat in your Roto League and go three people in front of you and three people behind you and try to figure out if everything stayed as it was, what's the movement there? Then the next step in Roto, look at the teams that are chasing you and the teams you're chasing and see who they're close to in different categories. You might be able to see if they're about to move up or down in something and adjust your strategy accordingly as well. And the way you do that is really by using your roster slots more efficiently. If you're down, like I was talking about, if you're down to someone in rebounds, bench a guard who only averages two and a half rebounds a game for your team, even if they're good at something else. And instead... Go pick up someone who's like guard forward eligible, but is really more of a forward. 
who's a good example of this, of someone that's probably floating around on waiver wires right now? Who's someone who's guard forward eligible that maybe is a little bit more of a forward than a guard? Tory Craig! Okay, perfect one. He's guard forward eligible, meaning you could probably throw him into your shooting guard spot or just your guard spot if you have one of those. And dude has been averaging more like five, six rebounds a game instead of your point guard, who you might have thrown in there, that was averaging two and a half. Get the extra three rebounds that day. Even if you surrender assists or scoring or whatever it happens to be. So use your slots efficiently and outgame the competition. You guys might be the very good. You might both have very good teams, but the way you can get over the hump in Roto every year, strategy. Last week of the regular season, next week, can't wait. We're going to mostly talk Roto, I'll tell you that, because this show kind of handled your head-to-head approach for next week. But we'll talk about streamers on both sides. Again, use your moves earlier finals week. Or not finals week, but, you know, last week of the regular season. Keep listening in the offseason, and please do drop a rating on the podcast. Five-star review would be most excellent. If you want to write something nice, cool. If not, that's fine. Whatever. The five stars is really what goes a long way. And the subscribe button. Please do make sure that if you've been listening to the show, you've been doing it by hitting subscribe. Uh, tell your friends. Visit our buddies at uh, mybookie.ag. And very excited to announce a brand new item from our pals at manscaped.com. It's the Lawnmower 4.0. Oh, yeah. It's here, guys. The Lawnmower 4.0 is coming. Oh, it's super cool, man. It's super cool. You got to check this thing out. Uh, it's live. It's live. It's breaking news. It's the Lawnmower 4.0. They've done it again, guys. They sent me one. It's awesome. It's a ceramic blade with skin safe technology. So, still pinch free. That's the stuff we've been talking about forever. They have a multifunction. This is brand new. It's got a multifunction on-off switch, so you can engage a travel lock, things of that nature. They have a 4,000K LED spotlight that you can turn on and off for a precise trim. It's got four grooming lengths, which hasn't been the case in the past. Also, it looks sweet. Sleek two-tone matte and gloss finish. It's awesome. Lawnmower 4.0. Go to manscaped.com. Use promo code hoopball 20 and get yours today. I knew I had some cool stuff I was saving up to the end of the week, and I almost forgot, but I didn't. Manscaped.com. Hoopball20, promo code. 20% off free shipping the new, spanking new, Lawnmower 4.0. Available for purchase in the U.S. and Canada. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a Hoopball presentation. I am Dan Baspers. Go win your league this weekend, folks, and please do continue listening even after your stuff is done. we got a lot of things to go over. Uh, at Dan Baspers on Twitter, if you want to bug me about anything, I will do my best to get back to you quickly. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you Monday. So long. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.